TED Audio Collective. I follow some influencers on Instagram and TikTok who share new words every day. That's their thing, a video or a photo of the word of the day. They aren't educators, per se, but they each have hundreds of thousands of followers and they're bringing a microdose of learning to these platforms. I can read about a word, learn its definition, and see it used in a sentence. It's expanding my vocabulary. Most of the time, Instagram and TikTok is a sea of viral dances, cat videos, and behind-the-scenes celebrity moments. And don't get me wrong, that can be some enjoyable content. However, it's also true that our relationship to social media and our smartphones can elicit an unconscious, endless scrolling session that can leave us feeling unproductive. Rarely do we associate our digital addiction with opportunities to learn something new. But this rising popularity of apps that gamify learning, for example, or virtual classes that fit in the palm of our hands, has led to an uptick in mobile learning. 30% of smartphone users are leveraging their devices for on-the-go education, where the price of tuition might just be watching an ad or paying a small fee for instruction. For many curious folks out there, these new learning tools take the worst of our need for constant hits of dopamine and give us a little bit more value. I'm Sherelle Dorsey, and this is TED Tech. Today, we join computer scientist and Duolingo founder Luis von Ahn as he shares why, when used for learning, a little bit more screen time might not be such a bad thing. This show is brought to you by Schwab. With Schwab investing themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in like artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy as-is or customize the stocks in a theme to fit your goals. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Support for TED Tech comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all in one, easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated, helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash tedtech. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash tedtech. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. 
Hey, listeners, before we kick off today's episode, I want to give a shout out to one of our favorite podcasts, Masters of Scale. Every week on Masters of Scale, Reed Hoffman, co-founder of LinkedIn, meets with some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs, discussing the strategies that got them to where they are. You'll hear from entrepreneurs like former Burberry CEO Angela Arendt, Imagine Entertainment's Ron Howard and Brian Grazer, Airbnb's Brian Chesky, and many other iconic founders. Be sure to search for Masters of Scale wherever you get your podcasts. So, I'm from Guatemala. So, Guatemala is right below Mexico. And for the Americans in the audience, and let this sink in because it really applies in most ways, for the Americans in the audience, you can think of it as Mexico's Mexico. <laughs> Just like the U.S. doesn't want illegal immigration from Mexico, Mexico doesn't want illegal immigration from Guatemala. It's a smaller country. It's a poorer country. And, well, what can I tell you? It has much better Mexican food. <laughs> Guatemala is a very poor country, and a lot of people talk about education as something that brings equality to different social classes. But I always saw it as the opposite, as something that brings inequality. Because what happens in practice is that people who have a lot of money can buy themselves a really good education and therefore continue having a lot of money, whereas people who don't have very much money barely learn how to read and write, and therefore never make a lot of money. And this is especially true in poor countries. Now, I was fortunate that I received a rich person's education, even though I didn't grow up rich. And it's because I'm an only child. And my mother, who was a single mother, spent all of her resources on my education. And this allowed me to come to college to the US and eventually get a PhD in computer science. Now, because of all of this, about 10 years ago, I decided that I wanted to do something that would give equal access to education to everyone. Oh, by the way, this is what I want to talk to you about today, giving equal access to education to everyone. <laughs> at the time, uh, I was a professor of computer science at Carnegie Mellon University, and uh, I decided to work on this with my PhD student, Severin. The way my brain works, all of education is just too general of a problem. So I decided, let's start by teaching one thing. And then I started thinking, OK, well, what should we teach first? Should we teach math? I mean, we both loved math. Uh, me and my co-founder, we both love math. And, you know, we, we didn't decide to do math. Then we started thinking, well, maybe we should teach computer science. But eventually, uh, and this is maybe surprising to people in North America, eventually we decided that the best subject to start with was teaching foreign languages. And let me tell you why. There's a number of reasons. Um, one of them is that there's a huge audience for it. There's a, about two billion people in the world learning a foreign language, both in school and outside of schools. Most of these people, by the way, are learning English. About 80% of them are learning English. And the reason for that is because English can truly transform your life. In most countries in the world, knowledge of English can significantly increase your income potential. So this is another reason why we decided to start with foreign languages, and it's because you can directly make more money if you learn another language, in particular English. And see, this is pretty different than many other subjects. For example, take math. In the case of math, just knowledge of math does not increase your income potential, because usually you have to learn math, to then learn physics, to then become a civil engineer, like that's how you make more money. Whereas with languages, if you were a waiter and you learn English, now you can be a waiter at a hotel and make more money. Okay, so we decided, well, let's get started by teaching languages. Now, we also convinced ourselves that the only way to really reach a lot of people was by using a mobile phone, or a smartphone in particular. See, building schools all over the world is simply too expensive. So, we decided at the time that we would 
make a way to learn foreign languages on a mobile phone that was accessible to everyone. And then we called it Duolingo. In order to truly be accessible to everyone, rich and poor, Duolingo uses a freemium model to support itself. What that means is that you can learn as much as you want without ever having to pay. But if you don't pay, you may have to see an ad at the end of a lesson. Now, if you don't like ads, you can also pay to subscribe to turn off the ads. And it turns out that the vast majority of the revenue for Duolingo comes from people who pay to subscribe to turn off the ads. Now, who are these people who pay to subscribe to turn off the ads? Well, they're usually people, they're well-off people in rich countries like the U.S. and Canada. Who are the people who don't pay to subscribe? They usually come from poorer countries like Brazil or Vietnam or Guatemala. So what I like about this model is that it is a small form of wealth redistribution because we're basically getting the rich people to pay for the education of everyone. So with smartphones, we can reach a lot of people, and we can even get the rich people to pay for the whole thing. This is great. <laughs> However, if you're trying to deliver education with a smartphone, you run into a humongous problem, and it is that smartphones come equipped with some of the most addictive drugs that humanity has ever engineered: TikTok, Instagram, mobile games. See, delivering education over a smartphone is like hoping that people will eat their broccoli, but right next to it, you put the most delicious dessert ever made. <laughs> if if you really want to deliver education to everyone, not only do you have to make it accessible, but also you have to make it so that people want to actually learn. And with Duolingo, we've been able to do this. And at the highest level, the way we've done this is by making the broccoli taste like dessert. I'll say it another way. What we've done is that we've used the same psychological techniques that apps like Instagram, TikTok, or mobile games use to keep people engaged. But in this case, we use them to keep people engaged, but with education. Let me give you some examples of these techniques. One of the most powerful ones is the notion of a streak. What a streak is is it's just a counter that measures the number of days that you've used the product consecutively. You just take that number, you put it very prominently in your product, and then people. Come back every day, and the reason people come back every day is because, well, if they don't come back, that number resets to zero, and people don't want to lose their streak. It works. Now, on the one side, streaks have been criticized for, for example, getting teens addicted to Snapchat. But in the case of an educational app, streaks get people to come back to study every day. Now, to give you an idea of the power of streaks, in the case of Duolingo, we have over three million daily active users that have a streak longer than 365. <laughs> that means they haven't missed a day in the last year or longer. Now, fun fact about streaks: What country do you think has the longest average streaks for an educational app? It's Japan, <laughs> of course. Shortest ever streaks. Latin America, baby. <laughs> But we're fun. Hey, we're fun. <laughs> Another important mechanism to get people to come back to your product are notifications. On the one side, notifications can be really spammy and annoying. But in the case of an educational product, people actually want to be reminded to learn. In the case of Duolingo, we have a very sophisticated AI system that Basically, chooses when to send a notification and also what to say in each notification to maximize the probability that people come back. Now, interestingly, even after all this sophistication, it turns out that the algorithm for choosing what time to send you a notification is pretty simple. Do you know what is the best time to send people a notification? Well, I'll tell you. It's 24 hours after they use the product last. 
because and there's an easy explanation. If you were free yesterday at 3 p.m., you're probably free today at 3 p.m. as well. So this is what a very sophisticated millions of dollars of AI found. <laughs> It's funny. Now, at some point, it occurred to us: if we're stopping to send people notifications, we should let them know. So uh, we started sending this notification to people, saying, "Hey, these reminders don't seem to be working. We'll stop sending them for now." You know what people do when they get this notification? They come back. <laughs> Passive aggressive. Works for my mother. Works for Duolingo. <laughs> These passive-aggressive notifications are really good at getting people to come back because they feel like our green owl mascot has given up on them. So they come back. And speaking of our green owl mascot, by the way, because all our notifications come from our green owl mascot, and well, he's passive-aggressive and also pretty pushy.、Uh, this has given rise to a lot of memes on the internet. That make fun of just the great lengths that he will go through to get you back to learn a language. Now, Duolingo has entered the zeitgeist, and there's, there's thousands of memes, there's SNL skits about it, and it's because we've managed to get people to want to learn a language by using the same techniques that mobile games and social media use to get people engaged. And this is a really important point. Let me say this.、Um, I don't actually believe that there's a way to make an educational app be as engaging as something like TikTok or Instagram or mobile games. But the good news is that, and by the way, I don't, the reason I don't believe that is because ultimately you have to teach people something, and it's hard to compete with like cats and celebrities.、Um, but the good news is that I don't think you have to. See, here's the thing: when you're learning something, you get meaning out of it. Whereas when you're scrolling for two hours on Instagram, a lot of times afterwards you feel like you just wasted your time. So I think it's actually okay if your educational product is only 80 or 90 percent as engaging as something like TikTok, because the other 10 or 20 percent will be provided by people's internal motivation. Though of course, not much more than that. This is really a key point. If you want to get people to do something meaningful, you can use the same techniques that apps like social media use to get people to do it. And even if you're not as engaging as those apps are, you can still get hundreds of millions of people to use your product. In the case of Duolingo, for example, there are more people learning languages on Duolingo in the United States than there are people learning languages across all U.S. high schools combined. And this is true in most countries in the world. My hope is that well, I know we can do this, but you know, my hope is that as humanity, we can do what Duolingo has done for learning languages, but for all other subjects, where we can get people to learn math with mobile phones, like millions of people to learn math with mobile phones, or Physics or whatever. I hope for a future in which screen time is not a bad thing, in which we can deliver high-quality education to everyone, rich or poor, using a mobile phone. But the single most important thing that I can end this talk with is a reminder: to please, pretty please, I beg you, do your language lessons today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Louise, thank you so much. Thank you. I wonder if you can just say a little bit more about that last point about how do you how do you think that you can apply this type of thinking to other other subjects? So you mentioned math, you mentioned things like that. How, how do you do that? Yeah, I think in particular subjects that are learned through repetition. And it turns out most things that are kind of really meaningful are learned through like thousands and thousands of repetitions. You learn to read 
through repetition, you learn elementary school math through repetition. Most things that you can learn through repetition, you can actually gamify and turn into something like Duolingo, where people just do it a lot and do it fun. Uh, it's a little harder for things like explanations. Um, that's probably going to require some really good videos. Sal Khan is doing a really good job with that. Uh, but for things that require a lot of repetition, I think we can use the same methods. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank your you. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Support for the show comes from Brooks Running. I'm so excited because I have been a runner, gosh, my entire adult life. And for as long as I can remember, I have run with Brooks Running Shoes. Now I'm running with a pair of Ghost 16s from Brooks. Incredibly lightweight shoes that have really soft cushioning. It feels just right when I'm hitting my running trail that's just out behind my house. You now can take your daily run in the better-than-ever Go 16. You can visit brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. TED Tech is part of the TED Audio Collective. This episode was produced by Nina Lawrence, who also wrote it with me, Sherelle Dorsey. Our editor is Alejandre Salazar, and the show is fact-checked by Julia Dickerson. Our production coordinator is Farah DeGrunge. If you're enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe and leave us a review so other people can find us too. I'm Sherelle Dorsey. Let's keep digging into the future. Join me next week for more. You're growing a business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.